0: thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org slash happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God? Yes or no? All right, get out your sermon notes. We're starting a shorter series, two to three weeks, might go three weeks, conversations with Jesus. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a, a few conversations that Jesus had that might be hard to understand. You might look at it and say, hey, that doesn't really make sense. I don't know why Jesus said that. That doesn't seem to be part of his his character or his nature or he seems a little bit harsh there. Like what, what did Jesus mean when that happened? So have you ever read Scripture and you think Jesus is so merciful, so loving, so kind, so compassionate? Then you read a portion of Scripture and you're like, wait, wait a second, Jesus, that that just comes across as rude. Like, I think you're being rude to that lady. I think you're being short with that person. And why does that happen and how do we, how do we really look at those things? Well, we're going to study some of those. And one of them is a very uh, beautiful portion of Scripture. And it's going to help us during these 21 days of prayer. And fasting as well. And it's found, the story is found in the book of Mark, and I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to break it down for you so you can understand it a little bit better. Mark chapter 7, verse 24, it says this, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. Now, Tyre was, uh, this vicinity was about 20 to 50 miles away from where Jesus was currently ministering, so he was definitely outside of city limits, you could say. He went on an adventure. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. I want you to underline that if you can. We're going to come back to it in a few seconds, that Jesus could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she, the person that he's about to minister to, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at Jesus' feet. And the woman was a Greek Born in Syrian Phoenicia, she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. And that word begged, I, I wish the NIV translator would, would have labeled that differently, maybe kept asking, because the connotation is, it wasn't just begging as in asking once and sitting there and waiting, it was just continually begging, asking, and then asking again, and then asking again. And this is how Jesus responded to this to this woman who humbled herself and was begging for the miraculous. Jesus said this. First, he said, let the children eat all that they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And if you're reading that and you don't know much about Scripture, you don't know much about Jesus, you certainly don't know much about Greek, you would think, what in the world got into Jesus? Why is he mad at this woman? And why is he talking to her like that? Why did he just call her a dog? Let's read on. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. So her response was, I'm not even, I'm not going to be offended by what you just said. In fact, I'm going to make a point that even crumbs fall to the floor. And then Jesus told her, verse 29, for such a reply you may go, the demon has already left your daughter. And she went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. And it's important that you realize the child was lying on the bed. The child was at total rest, at total peace, completely delivered. So we read this passage of scripture and we think that is so, what what got into Jesus? Why was he so angry with this person? And what does all of that mean? That doesn't make sense. If we think of Jesus as being so loving, compassionate, merciful, that just doesn't make sense. Well, the the truth of the matter is that Jesus' first priority was to Israel. It was to the Jews. In fact, we read that in Matthew, I think it's chapter 15. It says he was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. So his priority in his ministry was not the Gentiles. It was actually the Jews. And Jesus, uh, in his era, in fact, The Jews in general, any time that they thought of a Gentile, they would often call the Gentiles dogs, and not just any dog. In fact, if you've ever gone on a mission trip with us or have ever gone to a third world country, whether it's Haiti or Peru or Guatemala or the Yucatan or all through Central America, India, anywhere you go, to third world countries, you're going to see these dogs in the street and these dogs are pitiful trust me they are not purebreds you don't know what level of mutt they are no, nobody knows I mean, and they've never been bathed they they've never been groomed like they just range the they they run throughout the the streets they oftentimes have like missing ears or chunks of ear gone or big wounds on their body because of fights they've been in or maybe people beating them up and miss treating them. They are typically extremely skinny, extremely smelly, because how they eat is just going through everybody's garbage. They just eat garbage in order to survive. And so most of the Jews would call the Gentiles, they are Gentile dogs. Like it, it it was the worst put down you could possibly imagine in Jesus' day. They are Gentile dogs. And you say, that's so racist. Absolutely. It was. Like Jews looking down on everybody else as if as if we're the ones who have it all together and everybody else is a mangy mutt that is useless. And you think that that's the word that Jesus used in talking to this woman. But it's not. Because as we read this portion of Scripture, the children that he's referring to refers to the Jewish people. He says, I know that I'm called to the lost sheep of Israel. I'm called to the Jews. I'm not called to the dogs, but he doesn't use the word dog like the normal Jews would use. I've put this in your notes. The word that he used in Greek was canarian, and it means a little dog or a family pet. In, in the Greek language, there, there are words that are changed, And and the word that we would use for it is diminutive. It's it's taking a word that would have some rough edges around it, but you add this diminutive aspect to it, and all of a sudden it becomes something that's affectionate. So he's saying, you're you're not a dog. You're not like this mangy mutt. Actually, I'm going to refer to you as a family pet. And she hears that because, remember, she speaks Greek. She hears that word, and she realizes He's not calling me a a mangy mutt, but he is referring to the relationship that the Jews had with the Gentiles, and she responds to him in a way that says, I know you're not calling me a mangy mutt. I know you're calling me a family pet, and even family pets eat the crumbs that fall off of the family table. And I'm just asking for a little bit of the spillover. I just want a little bit of the spillover. You know, last night uh, I I told my daughter delight. We we kind of ate an early earlier dinner. I said, hey tonight, you know, because football was on. And I said, hey, we'll make some popcorn. We do that about once a ma- month, make homemade popcorn, and it's 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 I, I'm I'm an, I'm excellent at it. I just got to tell you, I'm excellent at it. And wouldn't you know it, that a, a few kernels just happened to fall on the floor for our. Our little eight-month-old Yorkshire terrier, that's a little toy Yorkie, she doesn't even weigh five pounds, and she's the cutest little dog in the whole world. <sighs> it's like you just want to hug her and squeeze her, and you know, you ever seen a mice and men? you know like George, that's how I feel. Like Georgia mice and I just want to love her and squeeze her. And, and when you love a dog that much, you just the crumbs just they just fall. you know, they just fall. It wasn't my I'm sorry, Jennifer. She said, "You did that on purpose. No, I wouldn't do that. Of course I did. And she's looking. She's saying, she's saying, Jesus, I know all about you. I've heard all about you. And I, I realize that you, you didn't call me a dog like everybody else did. But he was still calling her out. He was still saying, hey, but I know the relationship that Jews have with Gentiles. And where do you stand in this? And she said, Jesus, I know there's a little bit of spillover for me and my daughter. And Jesus said, what a beautiful reply. In fact, right now, your daughter, she's healed, lying at rest, lying in peace. The demon is already gone. I want to point out two things before I get into the heart of this that is so important for you to understand. The two things I'm going to point out is, first of all, Jesus cannot be hidden. I, I had you underline that. Remember that? that Jesus could not keep his presence secret. He could not keep his presence secret. That Jesus cannot be hidden in your life. That if you have been made new, if the old is gone and the new has come, when you repented of your sins and you came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior. Save me, I pray. The Bible says that you're made new. And one of the things that you cannot do as a Christian is keep Jesus hidden in your life. It's impossible. At some point, he's gonna, he's, it's going to come out in your words. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Like, it just comes out. Of course, I'm a Christian. Of course, I, I love Jesus. It's, you can't hold that within, or it's going to come out in your actions. All of a sudden, you're going to act differently. You're going to think differently. The, the places that you used to go, you're not going to go to anymore, and everybody's going to say, hey, why aren't you coming anymore? Well, you cannot keep Jesus hidden in your life. It's going to come out. Now, sometimes it comes out very, very slowly, but it'll still come out. It'll still come out because you can't keep Jesus hidden in your life. And by the way, new song, you weren't meant to keep Jesus hidden. You're meant to be full-blown Christian in front of everybody all the time, talking like Jesus, thinking like Jesus, acting like Jesus. You are meant to be a reflection of Jesus Christ in the world. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. So I'm not ashamed of Jesus. In fact, I talk about him all the time. I have, I have prayer. I don't know if I told you this or not, but just a week or two ago, uh, we, we happened to go to two different Walmarts in, in one day. My wife and I went to the Walmart in Plymouth, ran into somebody, had a little prayer meeting right there in Walmart. And then we decided to go to, to the Walmart in South Bend for, for something that we were looking for and... So we go to Walmart in South Bend, run into somebody there, have a little prayer meeting in Walmart, everybody. Why? I'm I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'll pray for you. You better watch out if you talk to me in public. If you tell me that you're really struggling with something, I'm going to look at you and say, would you like to pray right now? And you better say yes, because I'm going to pray for you anyway. Or else don't tell me that you've got a problem. Just say, no, pastor, everything's good. You know, just, just step away. Why? Because I'm just not afraid of being a Christian. I love Jesus. I don't care who knows about it. I don't care if people are watching me. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I mean, you can't keep Jesus hidden in your life, new song. Don't even try. And if you try, something's wrong with your heart. You need a heart change. You know what I'm talking about? The second thing is the Bible is filled with examples of intercession. And that's what this woman is doing. She's actually interceding for her daughter. I want to tell you that a lot of your prayers in these 21 days of prayer and fasting, pray for yourself, absolutely. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your children or grandchildren, but make no mistake about it. Your prayers need to be bigger than that. You need to pray on behalf of others, coworkers, neighbors, family members. You have to pray. For others, it's the will of God for every single one of us to be an intercessor. And it's a word that we don't use, but it just means that I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to God on behalf of somebody else. And it's not going to benefit me. It's only going to benefit them. I'm just thinking about them. I'm not thinking about me. It's called intercession. And we see this in Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, I urge then, first of all, that that petitions, prayers, here it is, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Well, I don't like them. Pray for them all the more. In fact, let me go further. For all people, for kings, and all those in authority. Well, I don't want to pray for them. You need to pray for them all the more. We need to intercede for them that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness what's this this is good and pleases god our savior who wants all people to be saved mark that to be saved and to come to the not to a knowledge of the truth so underline that to a knowledge of the truth so god wants us to pray to intercede for all people so that all people will be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, for those who, who know your Bible, you love your Bible, what does the truth do? The truth sets us free. And here a new song. We say the first two things that God wants to do in somebody's life is he wants everybody to know him, to know God, and find freedom. And that's exactly what 1 Timothy says is saying that we have to intercede so that man can be saved, humanity will be saved, and they'll come to a knowledge of the truth, knowing that truth sets people free. Do you see that in scripture now, everybody? There's a reason that we constantly talk about knowing God, finding freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. It's what God wants to do in all of our lives. Okay, that being said, we're going to go back to the story Jesus confronts this very Gentile person, this woman, and he says, My first priority is to the Jews, it's not to the Gentiles. And she says, again, in this in this conversation about dogs, she says, but surely there's enough spillover for my daughter. I've heard about your your mercy. I've heard about your, your kindness. I've heard about your grace. I've heard about your compassion. Think about this, everybody. Here he was 20 to 50 miles away from the center of his ministry, and she hears of Jesus, and she runs to him and says, I need some help on behalf of my daughter, please. Jesus, deliver her. And Jesus, he points out, not only for her benefit, by the way, but for our benefit. Ma'am, you don't have much to offer. You're a Gentile. You haven't embraced the things of God. In fact, my priority is to minister to the Jews. I've come to the lost sheep of Israel primarily. They're my priority. And she says, in her own way, you're right, Jesus, I have nothing to offer you. I, 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 my lineage, you can't look at that. My history, you can't look at that. My obedience to the law, you cannot look at that. But I'm not asking for those things. I'm just calling upon your mercy. I'm calling about upon your love. And Jesus said, oh, that is beautiful faith. Let me teach you what it means for us today because this is one of the most beautiful passages in the book of Mark. Let me teach you what it means. Number number, uh, three, write this down, that my goodness, your goodness, new song, does not give you leverage in receiving a miracle. Faith is the agent of the miraculous. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. This is so theologically sound, and beautiful, that a lot of people say, well, God will listen to me as long as I, and when I start, or now that I've been, surely God will listen to me, and you are depending upon your works for God to listen to you. You are leveraging your goodness for God to answer your prayer. So a lot of people think 21 days of prayer and fasting, well, I'm going to leverage my suffering to get God's attention, God's gonna feel bad for me because I've been suffering, and then he'll answer my prayer. That is not how how fasting works. Fasting is a disconnect from the world so that you can connect with God. So whenever my tummy says, Justin, you're hungry, I'm I'm, I'm gonna return a thought that says, I crave the real bread of life. No, I hunger and thirst for righteousness. God, I want you more than anything else in this world. And I'm not trying to suffer to get your attention. I am disconnecting from the world so that I can connect with you more. You see it? So if you say, I'm going to leverage my goodness in order to receive a miracle, let me help you. Theologically, you have no goodness to offer. Your righteousness, the Bible says, is like Filthy rags in the eyes of God. On your best day, you got nothing. On your best day, well, well God, surely you're going to answer me because look what I've done for you. Look what I've been doing for you. What you're doing is you're leveraging your goodness to get God's attention. That is not how it works. On your best day, you're not good enough. And God says, I don't want you to leverage your goodness. This woman had no goodness to offer, but she had faith. That Jesus, I've heard about you, and even your spillovers are powerful enough to take care of my daughter. And I'm just asking for the miracle. I'm believing for the miracle. And I've come to you. She had nothing to offer. You know, for all of you who say, well, Pastor... I got got nothing to offer, Jesus. Neither do I. You know what drives me nuts? And I absolutely love it at the same time. It, 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 It frustrates me, and it also makes me so glad. And it makes me glad because most of the time people come to me and say, Pastor Justin, I want you to pray with me. We're praying for this. And oh, oh. I got your back. I'm going to pray right now for you. That's why I tell you, never tell me that because I'll pray right then, right there. If you don't want to be prayed for in public, don't tell me in public. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm going to pray for you right there. It is my joy to pray for you and to pray with you. But the frustrating comes when people say, Pastor Justin, would you pray for so-and-so? And you know what they're saying? And I can just read it. Maybe it's discernment. I can just read it. Pastor Justin, I'm not good enough to pray. I don't have enough goodness in me. But because you're a pastor, surely God listens to you. So I'm going to trust your prayers to God. I'm not going to trust my own. See, you are trying to leverage your goodness to get God's attention. And when you realize you don't have any, you're going to leverage my goodness to get God's attention. But I don't have any. Not on my own but I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I am relying on the same righteousness that you're relying on. It's no different. The righteousness that I experience in Christ Jesus isn't stronger in my life because I'm a pastor. No. That same level of righteousness is for anybody who would trust Jesus Christ as Savior. So, the same righteousness that covers me and fills me is the same righteousness that covers you and fills you. Your prayers are just as powerful as my prayers. So, if you want me to pray for you, absolutely, it'll be my joy. But if you're depending upon my goodness to pray for you, oh, that's sickening. That grieves me. Because I don't, I don't have much to offer you. I'm not perfect. You can ask my family members. I'm not perfect. I, I, I would prefer it if you don't, though. Just for the record, just don't. Let me be the one to tell you I'm not, I'm not perfect. See, I, I've learned a long time ago, I don't leverage my goodness because I don't have any goodness to offer. Let me say it a different way. Number four, that Jesus isn't waiting for you to feel worthy of asking for the miraculous. He's waiting for you to ask and believe. He's not waiting for you to feel worthy. He's simply waiting for you to ask and believe. So if you think, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do really good. I'm going to go a whole week without sinning, and then Jesus will hear me. Did you know that there are sins that you commit and you don't even know you're committing them? There are things that you say, well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm can, I, can I tell you something? When you start making a list of all the do's and don'ts, you're on the edge of legalism, and I would not do that. I would just say, Father, help me to love you with all that I have all the time. Help you to, I want you to be the center of my life. See, in my life, this, this, you want me to tell you how to, break, to, how to how to be free from sin in your life? Don't even think about it. No, well, today, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that word. I'm just not going to say that word. If you keep thinking it, you will say it because it's, it's in your head. It's in your mind. It'll just come out. Don't think about the sin. Think about the Savior. And you'll, you'll live in freedom like you've never experienced before. Number five, write this down. That What we see in this woman, that faith coupled with humility brings victory to the Christian and defeat to the enemy. It is faith coupled with humility. Faith coupled with humility. She came to Jesus in faith, but also in humility. And when Jesus, he he, he started this conversation as saying, I'm going to test your faith here. I'm going to call you a dog, but not a dog. I'm going to call you a family pet. And I'm going to see how you respond. And and in her own way, she was saying, you can call me anything you want. I just want to spill over. She came to him in faith. And humility. Can I tell you something? The, the truth of the matter is your t- your faith will be tested. Make no mistake. Your faith will be tested. And I pray that you'll rise up and be ready when your faith is tested. It will be. And your response to life's issues and to the issues of others, faith and humility. And for all of those who say, well, Well, Pastor Justin, I I know my Bible. The Bible says, tells me to come before the the throne of boldness. Can I tell you what it really says? You're right. You're right. It does. It's Hebrews 10. says it this way, that, that we as Christians, children of God, we come before God, his throne room, with boldness. It doesn't stop there, though. It says, we come before him in boldness by the blood of Jesus. So when I come into God's presence with boldness, I'm not thinking about me. I'm only thinking about him. See, humility, I've taught you this, is not thinking less of yourself. It's not thinking of yourself at all. So when I come into the presence of God, I'm not thinking about my goodness and I'm not thinking about my badness. I'm just thinking about my Savior, and I can approach him boldly because he's merciful and kind and gracious and compassionate and loving. So I can come before him in boldness and present my request to him. I could do that because he loves me. I'm his child. So it's not about leveraging my goodness to get his attention. It's just asking and believing. Faith and humility. I'm telling you, it's powerful. It's a powerful weapon in your arsenal against the schemes of the enemy. So from now on, this is what we're going to do, and this is going to go very quick, but from now on, this is what we're going to do. I've taught you this over and over and and I I won't stop now, y'all, that I will not base my relationship with God on who I am, but on who he is. I'm not going to base my relationship with God upon my goodness because I don't have any to offer. And I'm not going to base it upon my badness because I've been forgiven of all of my sins. So I'm not going to base my relationship with God upon who I am. I'm going to base it upon who he is. And he's loving and kind and good. So I'm going to come before him with boldness, not thinking about me, but thinking about him. So from now on, that's what I'm going to do. The second thing is I will approach God knowing that he is both willing and able to do more than I ask or imagine. He's both willing and able. Now, with that statement comes a lot of questions, and I'm going to go to that next week. So next next Sunday morning is going to be a conversation with Jesus about him being willing and able. And it and it's gonna it's gonna be so encouraging you to you. Don't miss it. So we'll talk more about that next week. The last one. From now on, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask and believe God for the impossible. That's just what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna ask and believe God for the impossible. I want you to stand up with me here. I, I have presented the word of God to the very best of my ability in this day. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit you understand what the Lord would teach you today. If there's one thing that I want you to realize that I want you to walk away with is God does not answer prayers based upon your goodness or badness that faith is the agent of the miraculous. We live by faith. We walk by faith. Over and over again, the Bible says that if you just believe, you will receive. Can I get an amen to that? See, so stop thinking so much about yourself. You're not all that great. And you're not all that bad. In fact, you're just like everybody else in the room. We're all sinners who fall short of the glory of God. I hate it, but I still sin sometimes. I hate it that I do that. But I have learned that that will not restrict me from believing for the miraculous. The same righteousness that flowed through Mother Teresa and Billy Graham is the same righteousness that flows through me. the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So your goodness or your badness does not keep you from the miraculous. My question is, first of all, do you know God? Have you trusted entirely on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone for salvation? And the second thing is, can you approach Him with faith and humility. Not thinking of yourself at all, but just trusting in his goodness. And if the answer is yes, you're you're on the verge of the miraculous. We, we ask and we believe. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. So it's good of us to ask. So I'm going to ask you a question. What miraculous thing do you need in your life right now? What's the one thing just focus on one thing right now. What's the one thing that you that you just I just I'm praying that God does this? It's the thing, it's that one thing that you keep thinking about. What we're gonna do is we're gonna ask the Lord to do the miraculous, we're gonna present it to him this morning, and then we're gonna believe him that it's taken care of. Not because we deserve it, but because he's good and merciful and gracious and kind and compassionate and loving. Because he's a deliverer, a healer, a restorer, a provider, a savior. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I want to ask very, very quickly, have you trusted Jesus Christ, the Savior? And if you have not trusted Christ, the Savior, and you're ready to do that today, would you raise up your hand really high and say, Pastor Justin, that's me. All right. I see your hands. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. There are five hands. Thank you, Jesus. On a day where it's six below. <laughs> we're going to pray this first. Jesus, come into my life. I'm repenting of my sins. My sins have separated from me from you. And I, I know that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I'm calling out to you for salvation. Save me, I pray. And if you said that very simple prayer or something even similar to it, doesn't? it's not about the words, it's about your heart. The Bible says that every single person who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And at this moment, you have been completely forgiven of all of your sins. They have been removed as far as the east is from the west. They are no more. You are now, by his grace, a child of the living God. Welcome to the family. It's by grace that you have been saved, not of works. You couldn't earn it. You could not achieve it. It's just something to be received by those who believe. So, Lord, thank you for continuing to save those who don't know you. Thank you, Father, for being in this room and in our lives this day. Now, for those of you who have a miracle on your mind, you're in need of a miracle, I want you to open up your hands toward heaven. We're going to ask the Lord for it. And the prayer goes something like this. Jesus, I'm in need of a miracle. I'm in need. And I'm running to you. I'm not running to anybody else or anything else. I'm just running to you. And I'm asking for deliverance, for healing, for restoration, for salvation for loved ones. I'm asking for freedom from addiction. Whatever it is, new song. Just ask him. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say, Lord, I ask you to provide healing, to provide a miracle. And you don't have to keep begging him. We're just going to ask, and now we're going to believe. And Jesus, according to your word, if we come to you in faith and humility, Trusting in your mercy and in your grace and compassion and goodness. If we ask and believe, you would do the miraculous. So Lord, from the bottom of our hearts, we want you to know we trust in no one or nothing else than you and you alone. You are the giver of good things. And according to your word, if we asked and believed, you would do the miraculous. You say it over and over and over again in your word that when we believe for it, we receive it according to your will. May it be done in Christ Jesus, I pray. And as part of our belief, we lift our hands and worship to you and say thank you for supplying all of my needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Thank you for healing Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for restoration, for salvation, for freedom. Thank you, Lord, for the miraculous. I give you praise for it. I haven't seen it yet, but I consider it to be done. In fact, it is done in the name and by the power of Jesus Christ, my Savior, whose love I don't deserve, but who loves me anyway. Thank you for the miraculous. I receive it and believe it in Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. Do you receive the word of the Lord today, yes or no? As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to myncorg contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.